White Sox, White Sox, go, 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 go. Call your sons, call your daughters. Holy cow, Carlton Burns has put the White Sox ahead. There goes number 400 for Big Brad Burns. takes a perfect game. His second no-hitter. You can't put it on the board. Yeah. Can it go? Grand slam. A White Sox winner and a world championship. Have all the fun you want, Tim Anderson. This one is... Locked on socks. The dynamic duo of Herb Lawrence and Chris Tannehill. Those two are like a tag team, you know? Come with me to Southside of Chicago. Hi, this is Jim Tomey. And the best White Sox talk is on Locked on Socks podcast with Tanny and Herb. Hello and welcome back to Locked on Socks. After a glorious come from behind 3 to 2 win up in the good land, the Chicago White Sox now have 6 wins in a row. My name is Herb Lawrence. With me as always is Chris Tannehill. How are you doing today, Chris, after that 6 win in a row? Oh, the joy of 6. Me and Bill are doing great tonight. The White Sox win. Print the banner. Line up the parade Michigan Avenue on the Dutch Turtle Bridge Division Street. Let's go. I could get used to this. White Sox 3-2 to two winners over the Brewers tonight in Milwaukee. Uh, first, a couple quick uh, housekeeping things to mention from Rick Renteria's Zoom call today in regards to the starting pitching woes. Uh, Ronaldo Lopez and Carlos Rodon both sidelined at the moment, creating some uh, huge depth issues going forward for the starting rotation. But Ricky had some words, uh, some encouraging news, I guess, for now. He, uh, this is from Scott Merkin's Twitter account. Ronaldo Lopez is starting a throwing program, but no timetable for return. As far as Rodon goes, they're, they're not ready yet to commit to uh, an IL stint that's going to be anything longer than 10 days. So they, they have not yet ruled out having him back in 2020. So I, I'll, uh, I guess I'll just believe it when I see it. But so some not... I wouldn't call it encouraging news, but uh, not discouraging news today from Rick Renteria in regards to uh, two-fifths of the starting rotation. Yeah, even though you know I crap on Ronaldo Lopez and sometimes on the injury history of Carlos Rodon, truth be told, we need those guys if they're going to do anything or make the playoffs. Very thin on the starting rotation front, and there's nobody to replace Rodon's spot right now. Ricky also said in that Zoom call that he's going to take a couple days and see exactly where Carlos is at and then also where their plans are for the future. So, you know, Dane Dunning might still get the call up. There's no reason to call him up now if he's not going to start that game on that day immediately. So um, that's what I'm thinking that they're going to do. Eventually just have Dave Dunning come up here and start in the rotation where Carlos Rodon was at. So uh, if this is just a couple weeks or maybe even a month injury for Carlos Rodon, that is very promising. And the throwing program that Ray Ray Lowe is going to be doing tomorrow is very encouraging. I hope that he can get back to form and somewhere near the Lucas Giolito of 2019. Absolutely, and we'll get to Giolito in just a second. Uh, but for those of you wondering, what about Ross Detweiler? He looked pretty good out there. Well, I think they're going to keep him right where he is because he's done such a good job in long relief, and uh, it's hard to argue that. They're not going to disrupt his 
path right now, and they're just going to keep him right where he is. Certainly appears at this point, and I'm I'm on board with that. We saw the Ross Detweiler experiment in the starters role all of last year, and uh, I, I'm good. Whatever he's doing now is working. I, I can't quite figure out why he's having such success, but uh, let's not uh, look a gift Ross in the mouth. So moving on, White Sox winners tonight, 3-2 to two over the Brewers in Milwaukee, completing a two-game sweep. Giolito tonight, his final line, six innings pitched, four hits, two runs, nine strikeouts, lowering his ERA on the season to 5.17, but... More importantly, he made Pitching Ninja three times tonight. In the bottom of the fifth, he gets Brock Holt swinging with the sword. That's the bonus points there when you get the sword. You know what I mean? Like the Rizzo would say, you got the sword. And then bottom of the sixth, he strikes out Gamble. And then for a third bonus, three times on Pitching Ninja tonight, he gets the Pitching Ninja Death Stare gif. Uh, Lucas had one going tonight. So a uh, solid outing by Giolito tonight. Herb, your thoughts on Lucas out there? I said earlier in the outing that it's really a testament to a pitcher that doesn't have his good stuff. And while he struck out nine and was battling through, you could tell he was struggling with his command. The ball he threw to Gamble was supposed to be an outside changeup. It it leaked into the center of the plate, and Gamble murdered that ball. The three straight lefties in that inning, actually, I think it was the fifth inning, really hit the ball hard against Lucas, but then he bared down and got out of the inning. The death stare that you're talking about was versus uh, Christian Yelich. He he knew that Christian Yelich, you know, uh, a guy who is big-time contract, struggling a little bit this year, but uh, still a deadly hitter. He knew he had to bear down, and that is the... That is the epitome of a champion. You know, you don't have your A-plus stuff. I'm not saying his stuff was trash today. It was pretty good. But he just battled through his command issues and did what he had to do to keep his team in the ball game. 2 nothing looked like a, a task that the White Sox could not overcome because Brandon Rodgers was throwing that heat-heat. And then, for some reason, I well, Steve Stone speculated that Eloy turned around his fastball so quick the bat before that he's like, you know, I'm starting him up with a trash slider. And Eloy's like, I love trash sliders. And he <laughs> murdered that ball. Trash so sliders they, go a long way. Oh, so <laughs> delicious. Especially in Milwaukee. I, I, like, like, yeah, these guys, like Luis Robert turned his uh, 97 around for a single. Same thing with Eloy. But they're singles. They're loud singles. I don't know why you got 97 in the pocket and you're doing pretty well that you're like, mm, let me go to a slider and try to trick these guys. No, sir. No, sir. Thank you very much, Brandon Woodruff, for doing that. But back to Giolito tonight. It, it's really impressive. You say he didn't have his best stuff. He was basically a two-pitch pitcher, uh, similar to how he's been all season long so far and, uh, through three starts. He was working fastball change at almost a 50-50 ratio. And mm -hmm. it was funny, Jeffrey Levering on uh, WTMJ. I, I've, I've been listening to Uke. And, uh, and Jeffrey Levering on the uh, radio call tonight just to kind of get a different perspective. And I always love listening to Euchre. Uh, you know, you, you don't know how many times you'll be able to catch him uh, doing a Sox game. So I'd like to check that out. And Jeffrey Levering had an interesting comp for uh, Giolito's uh, changeup. He said it reminded him of Trevor Hoffman. So that I thought that was that was kind of strange. But it certainly high praise. Yeah, high praise, good company. But yeah, I was kind of like, oh, okay, that's one that I haven't heard before. But Giolito's rock solid tonight. Uh, the the lone blemish, uh, he, he you know after that uh, nice play by Mazzara, robbing Narvaez, Ben Gamble hits the two run shot, and uh, those eighty mile per hour changeups that are belt high they go a long way in Milwaukee as well. Then of course you have 
Bernie Brewer sliding into a vat of hand sanitizer just to keep things safe uh, there tonight in Milwaukee. But yeah, just uh, you know, tip your cap to Giolito tonight. Not with his best stuff, but he he got you through uh, six innings and you managed to get the lead and and that's that's that uh close the book on him tonight it seems i was really worried about him tonight not worried but I, I was interested to see if he could follow up the the start from last time out to see if he could put it together and now i kind of feel more comfortable about him going forward but uh, there were some other things that happened tonight before we get to eloy and his ridiculous numbers early on here in the season so something happened early on in the ball game when when uh, there was still no score. Top of second, Nick Madrigal leads off with a single. Lou Bob follows it up with a rocket shot right up through the box. You can tell. Like I was listening to the radio broadcast as, as I just said, and when Lou Bob's up there and he gets a hold of one, he does have that sound. Like it's not it's not a myth. Like you could tell when when he really gets a hold of one, especially right up through the middle. Not trying to do too much. Just you know, it, it never gets old hearing that uh, early on here in 2020. But so after that, Nick Madrigal tries to get to third base and he decides to test the arm of Avi Garcia and, and we can tell you firsthand if there's one thing about Avi's defense that it, that is for certain is that that arm is still pretty decent out there in right field so magical you know early on in the ball game I was trying to think through it in the moment you know you, you know you've got a pitcher's duel on your hands I don't know if I like the aggressiveness early to do that uh, or if you just have to know the guys hitting behind you, you know, you've got a pretty good offense this year. So the, mm-hmm. you know, the idea that you're not going to be able to score many runs, like that's the thing of the past. So I, I don't know if I like Nick Madrigal's thought process there, trying to go to third base. And I remember uh, the great Earl Weaver once said something about a situation like this. Team speed, for Christ's sake! You get fucking goddamn little fleas on the fucking bases, getting picked off, trying to steal, getting thrown out, taking runs away from you. You get them big cocksuckers that can hit the fucking ball out the ballpark, and you can't make any goddamn mistake. So that's 40 years ago, and those things still hold true. I hold these truths to be self-evident 40 years later, maybe 50 at this point. And ultimately, Nick Madrigal ends up hurting his shoulder on that play at third base where he gets thrown out. Uh, what do you make of uh, Nick Madrigal's decision there to test the arm of Avi uh, so early in the ball game like that? Before I get to that, I wanted to get to uh, Alice Sweet's tomato plants. How are they doing right now? <laughs> well, you, you know what happened to old Alice Sweet. I, I wonder if she ever got that prick stuck in her, like like, like her old <laughs> <laughs> pontificated about. But yeah, so so uh, ma- so magical. What are you doing, buddy? Uh, I, we don't have any updates on the uh, on the injury and how bad it was, but it certainly did not look good. And when you're talking about shoulders and and uh, and baseball players, especially for for what he does, his his skill set out there, uh, you know. Doesn't doesn't look good here, but we'll have to wait and see probably till the morning or at least they can get him uh, back to Chicago for an MRI. But what did you make of that decision early on in the game? A costly one. With apologies to King Mac and our guy Matt Zawaski. I know their guy, uh, they love him, but that is a dumbass play. Firstly, the ball is right in front of you. It's hit to center, left center field. He kind of paused when the ball is hit because it's a rocket. He wants to make sure it clears the infield. So he doesn't get a great jump initially. Then he sees a ball right in front of him. Avi's in center field, and like you said, Avi has a decent arm. He can throw your ass out with some accuracy. Um, and it's zero outs, and you have a bunch of people behind you who are guys who can do some damage with the bat well, in Mancada, Abreu, and Grandal. So it's just really, really dumb. I don't know why the rookie wanted to do that. Like, is he trying to impress his, his new teammates? He's trying to press the issue. I don't know, but... 
he should just sit there. And it was a rocket, too. That's another thing. That was ball was hit 106 miles per hour. So we got out to Avi pretty damn quickly. So I don't understand why he would do that. He's already got plus speed. He's in scoring position at second base. A bunch of boppers behind him. It was uh, the baseball IQ, which I've been sold on, that he has a lot of, was lacking there. And I want the kid to heal. I thought it was a wrist. He looked like he was holding his wrist. Maybe he was just holding his wrist so his shoulder can be propped up. So they say it's a shoulder problem. Hopefully it's a short shoulder problem because the kid can ball. But that was just a lapse of judgment. And uh, they need to talk to him about the first and third and when they got the people behind him. Yeah, especially with a lineup like this. This is an Oregon State here, okay? You got some big-time boppers uh, in the lineup behind you. You got to know the situation. I, I, I appreciate hustle. I appreciate forcing the issue out there, you know, making the defender make a play. But Avi's got a good arm. You got to know your scouting reports. And probably, you know, you're, you're going to make – you're going you're gonna to be safe maybe 20% of the time at, at best, uh, you know, in a play like that. But So we, we just uh, hopefully everything turns out to be okay, but I'm not a fan of the play. I just thought it was uh, funny, though, that Danny Mendick enters the game to replace Madrigal uh, without his mustache. I had no idea the mustache was gone, and I like to think that uh, as Madrigal is uh, getting his shoulder tended to, uh, Danny Mendick offers up his mustache uh, as a sacrifice, and he like tries to heal uh, the great Nick Madrigal with the mustache, maybe shaving it off and rubbing it on the shoulder to see if it has any magical powers. But uh, I don't know if we'll hear about that in the postgame Zoom. Uh, maybe in normal times they would ask them about that in the uh, postgame presser. But, yeah, so we'll have to wait and see about Madrigal there. We're going to talk about Eloy Jimenez and the great start he's off to so far in 2020 after this message from Postmates. If you're anything like me, you probably start thinking about what to do for dinner while you're eating lunch. I know with a family, you're always thinking ahead, trying to plan meals, do the best you can. I love food. We all do. That's why I love using Postmates. But they're coming through in the clutch even more so now because I know I can get my food delivered without even leaving my house or even opening the door for that matter. And given what's going on in the world, they've created non-contact deliveries. How awesome is that? So now when I order food from local restaurants that I love, everything gets left right outside my doorstep. They've also got Postmates pickup, which I've been using to order takeout from my favorite local restaurants. Look, you guys should know this by now. You got to support those neighborhood businesses and restaurants that you love so much. They're going through tough times right now. And when you choose those places, make sure you're using Postmates. Postmates doesn't just deliver burgers and sushi. They've actually made our lives easier by picking up things we need from Walgreens and 7-Eleven and dropping it outside our doorsteps. Just download Postmates on iOS or Android, find your favorites, and get anything you want delivered within the hour. And for a limited time, Postmates is giving our Lockdown White Sox listeners $100 of free delivery credit for the first seven days. To start your free deliveries, download the Postmates app and use promo code LOCKDOWN. That's right, promo code LOCKDOWN for $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Anything you need, anytime you need it, Postmates. All right, so I mentioned Eloy Jimenez. He has the uh, the drive of the game tonight, the unsponsored drive of the game, the your business here drive of the game. Uh, <laughs> the, we mentioned it earlier, straight shot to, to left center field. And I, you don't see balls hit that far in Miller Park too often. I believe the distance was 424 feet on Eloy Jimenez's bomb. Excuse me, 428 feet, uh, 104 miles an hour on the exit velocity. And I decided to look up, 
uh, Eloy's advanced metrics of courtesy of uh, baseball savant. You, you know, you talk about Luis Robert a lot this year and how Juan Moncada is the best player on the team. But not many guys are hitting the ball harder or better than Eloy Jimenez this year. So check this out. As far as exit velocity, Eloy's in the 99th percentile. Let me check my stats here. Yep, that's pretty good. Hard hit percentage, 99 as well. The weighted on base average, 94. Mm. Yep. Uh, the slugging percentage, 89. And the barrel. Um. <laughs> oh, just awful. <laughs> and the barrel percentage, a 98 percentile. Um, sprint speed, only 56. Someone pointed out to me on Twitter that he can't even run. I don't know if that was uh, in jest or I don't know if that was our Twins fan friend <laughs> uh, checking in with us on that one. But yeah, man, Herb, Eloy just having a great year quietly. Yeah, I. Like he's like hidden. He what is he fifth or sixth in the lineup every night, and just deadly. Those numbers like don't surprise me, but they surprise me at the same time because he's hitting the ball well. But you were talking about Luis Robert all the time. Of course, when the kid came up for uh, Nick Madrigal, we talked about him. Um, the bullpen being outstanding, we've uh, uh, gushed about them. But imagine. And Yoan Mankato, of course, who's our MVP candidate. Imagine being a guy going under the radar with all those good numbers, being that good. Maybe because he missed a couple games because he's dumb in the field. That's a scout's term, dumb. It means uh, not smart for all, for all you for all, for all you beginners out there. That's a scout's oh term, God, dumb. Just like <laughs> like that's the only reason he misses games because he's doing something dumb in the outfield, like running into a wall or a teammate or the ground. Stop. Otherwise, this man is deadly with the bat. I felt like he was going to do something. I didn't feel he was going to hit a home run right there because Woodruff before that was just filthy, just giving up singles, but murdered that slider. Um, I just, like I said, maybe Omar Navias, who's not known for the glove, gave him the slider thing, but it's up to the pitcher to shake him off and say, these people haven't been hitting my fastball, and when they do is you're getting singles. I don't want to be tying this game up. So Brandon Woodruff, God bless you for throwing that hanging slider and god bless Eloy Jimenez for being the under radar superstar that he is is and is going to be in this major league baseball it's just amazement that i have from where we've gone from like the garbage players we used to have <laughs> to top level major league baseball players like where people would want this guy if he was available this is one of the best players and hitters in the league right now and that's amazing that we got that guy and he's like our third best player question mark it's it's really insane and i i you know he he certainly you could argue he's your best hitter right now and and when i see that sweet easy swing easy power to dead center field i i, I just it looks a lot like miguel cabrera out there that's the only thing that's the only comp that i can think of and you know the, we're talking miguel cabrera like in his in his early prime, you know, once once he shed the weight and once he got to Detroit, like that easy power to all fields, it just it, it reminds me a lot of that. I'm not saying he's going to be that because he's one of the greatest right-handed hitters of all time, but already, uh, you know, this is over the last calendar year. He started, Eloy started making those adjustments and he started, you know, turning things around at around this point last season. And so it, it's been it's been about a year. Granted, not as many games as we would normally have, but. 
you know, the, the, the league has had a chance to, to sort of readjust to his adjustments. And so far, not so good for the league. And, and you know, you mentioned the talent. And the only thing the White Sox have to do is, is not mess it up and, 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 and keep adding the pieces around these guys to make them better and to, to create some more depth. But, yeah, Eloy just off to a great start here in 2020. Uh, another guy coming around as of late, top seven, Danny Mendick reaches on the fielding error, advances to second base on the throw. And then Jose Abreu comes up, and I'm going to ask you something, Herb. On, on this team right now, if, if you've got, you got ducks on the pond late in a ball game, is there anyone on the team you'd rather have up in that spot than Jose Abreu? Absolutely not. It's a skill, apparently, because this man, if you believe in clutch or not, is that. He seems to shorten up his stroke and knows how to get a hit when it's seventh inning late and close. Uh, I've been known as a guy who's a Jose Abreu detractor. Didn't want him to come back as a White Sox this year because I thought the team was moving forward. Didn't want any of the old baggage there. And, you know, people bring up the RBI and stuff to me. And I was like, you know, that's more of a team-generated stat. And it is. But the guy keeps on proving that he is an RBI guy. And even though that kind of, like, irks me as far as, you know, not that he gets RBIs, it's great, but, like, he's proving what I said was wrong, but it's not really because he's doing things with the guys on base. He's not doing this without people on base. So whenever a guy gets on base, Jose Abreu is rock solid, especially late. I don't know what it is. It's just an anomaly to me. Like we were talking about earlier off the air about Alex Colomay, the the peripherals, the numbers don't look as if he's a lockdown closer. But his career keeps on showing you that, yeah, the peripherals are always subpar, but he always gets the job done. Same thing last year or two years ago with Avi Garcia, where his Bobbitt was like 400. And everybody's like, no, it's going gonna, it's gonna to normalize and people are going to get him out. It's like some people's Bobbitt are just high, like, Last year with Tim and last year with Yohan Moncada. Maybe, just maybe, Jose Abreu is just that guy that gets RBIs and it's inexplicable and he just has a knack for it. And I can approve, I can be a man enough to admit I was wrong about Jose Abreu to this point. He's been everything that he was the year before. He doesn't seem like slowing down. Actually, he looks like he's improving. He's feeling the juices of all the better players around him and the youth around him and he's getting good numbers i'm looking at his numbers right now they're much better than they were last year average wise on base wise he's doing well yeah and jose has never been a guy that that that's been a sourpuss by any means but you could definitely see him in the dugout smiling a lot more he, he's sort of like that 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 beacon of energy around all these young guys who will already provide that energy and that swagger and and all the positivity and he, he seems to be like at the focal point of all that and and I go back and forth on this a lot people talk about that there is no clutch you mentioned it earlier you know I, I don't know how I feel about that you know I, over the years I've kind of wisened up to to that whole thing and sort of I, I'm always like trying to learn and, and expand my thinking and and I will never not believe yeah there, there may not be a clutch gene um but I, th- I think there is the, the, the absence of, of choke. We talk about all the, that all the time on the score, mm-hmm. the, the absence of choke. And we, we should know from having Joe Madden here 
for five seasons talking about slowing that heart rate down in the big moments and living in in the present. And I think no one does that better than Jose Abreu does for the, for the White Sox. So they're being a run producer is still a thing. I don't care what you say about RBIs and they're you know they're a product of your team and not necessarily you, but just there, there's there's it's a skill like you mentioned, shortening up the swing, knowing the situation, not trying to do too much. It it all it all equates to just being an old school run producer, and he's that guy. And and I'm glad that he's on the team. And you know I don't know what the future is going to hold for him. You know uh, as Someone like Andrew Vaughn comes to prominence, and maybe Andrew Vaughn becomes a trade piece. Uh, you know, we have to wait and see how that one plays out. But for for now, I, I enjoy watching Jose Abreu's artistry at the plate, especially late in the game. I have utmost confidence in him to come through in a big spot like that, and it's it's fun to watch. And I'm so glad he can finally do it on a on a team worth watching, on a, and on a team that that has some has some has some prospects of doing big things uh, in the postseason this year. Um, moving on, another guy who continues to impress, you know, Aaron Bummer, Herb. You know, I don't know if you if you ever had this happen when you when you were when you were a kid, when you were a shorty. If you if you ever went to one of your buddies' house and all of a sudden, like you know, their parents were around and your your buddy's got the big like shoebox full of porno mags. <laughs> that ever happened to you when you were a kid, right? So yes, <laughs> I think it's happened to to most of us. And it's like, oh, okay, all right. So, but these days, kids are are gonna say, oh, my mom and dad isn't home. I'm gonna show you videos of Aaron Bummer's slider because that was triple x porn filth uh, i once paid a quarter in new york city to watch aaron bummer slider he made pitching ninja tonight as well he had that ridiculous Youngsters won't get that reference <laughs> no, i don't care yeah it, we, we, we know our audience um <laughs> but aaron bummer paints ryan healy at the knees outside edge with that 95 mile per hour slider and he made pitching ninja tonight as well then he gets narvaez to ground out and then he strikes out ben gamble uh Having Aaron Bummer as a weapon in that spot, you could argue maybe they should have saved him for the eighth because old Jimmy Guns had a rough time in the eighth, but he got through it. Uh, having Aaron Bummer, it's like having Josh Hader without the racism and homophobia. Both better things to have on your team. <laughs> I love it. I love that Aaron Bummer is a upstanding guy with a filthy slider-sinker uh, combination. He's. Uh, I said earlier that Ross Detweiler is the MVP of the bullpen. You know, I you you could have your Aaron Bummer. He's been pretty filthy, but like a guy like Ross Detweiler, I think also needs his uh, props. But we're talking about Aaron Bummer today. I was uh, questioning Ricky for just going for an inning with Aaron Bummer there. I think the Brewers had two lefties coming up in the inning that Bummer got taken out, and Jimmy Cordero promptly walks Brock Holt, who is a guy you should never be scared of, and then. Uh, the second guy gets on and then induces a ground ball double play, eventually getting out of the inning by striking out Christian Yelich. Which is weird, because to your point, I'm like, why Why wouldn't you have Bummer in there to, to face Yelich, possibly? I mean, the, the disrespect for, for Christian Yelich right now is, oh is, is at an all-time high. I've never seen anything like it. Like, yeah, he's struggling, but it's They're just... They're going right at him. Yeah, I mean, they there must be a scouting report exploiting the, uh, a big-time weakness that he has, but it's 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 a crazy thing to see, man. I didn't, I didn't think we'd ever get to this point so soon here with Christian Yelich. 
I have no doubt he'll turn it around, and I, hopefully it's not over the next two games uh, on the south side. But yeah, there's the, the the disrespect right now. I mean, and you know, Jimmy Guns comes in and and shuts the door. Um, you know, without uh, the uh, conceal and carry permit there. But yeah, he's he did a great job. You know, of, you know, getting out of that inning. I was wondering if we would see. Like, oh, God, here we go again, the three batter minimum. Like, are they just going to put him in to walk someone? But Ricky stuck to his guns, uh, you might want to say, to Jimmy Cordero, <laughs> and he gets out of the inning. And then, of course, Colome comes in in the ninth, gets the first two outs quickly. Uh, Ryan Healy singles, Narvaez singles, and then uh, the last man you want up uh, over the last couple nights has been Ben Gamble. And uh, he, he retires Gamble. And uh, – we talked about Colome. I don't know what it is about him. You know, you mentioned the the peripherals and, and the metrics on him. Don't you know? We all thought that regression was coming with Colome, but maybe I, I don't know. Maybe it's just a situation where the guy just knows how to pitch and he knows how to change speeds and, and dot different parts of the zone and he knows how to elicit weak contact. I don't know what it is, but he he gives us a little bit of a thrill ride every time. And, and there's going to be situations where he blows a save because of like uh, tonight I thought would have been pretty much your your ideal set of circumstances for him to blow a save you know you, you if he cruises through the first two hitters and then he gives up a couple singles and then you you know you have the uh, the stolen base and then all of a sudden you got a bloop somewhere and then you lost the ball game like I could totally see that coming but uh, but that appears to be you know few and far between with Alex Colome I mean your confidence in in Colome going forward as the, as the closer here after uh some rocky appearances early on in 2020 um, like last year, I feel uneasy when he comes in the game, but at the end of the game, for the most part, I think what he blew one or two saves last year. This guy just gets the job done. I mean, we're a process affiliated, uh, program here with the podcast, but a closer's job is to get three outs and eventually, through hell or high water, this man gets three outs. So I got to give him the, the respect and props that he deserves. He gets the outs. And so whenever he comes in, it's going to be scary. It's not Craig Kimbrell scary. That man's terrible. Alex Colome, you know, makes it a little heart-wrenching. Last night, it was his best pitching performance of the year. Tonight, it was pretty good. If he just bends down and uses the glove for that little weak hit, he gets the guy at first instead. Doesn't have to face Ben Gamble for that last out. My confidence for him going forward shaky, but I I want no one else right now in the bullpen at the end of the game than him because as they say, outs twenty five, twenty six, and twenty seven are the hardest. And yeah, Iron Bummer and Ross Detweiler are looking filthy right now, but they're looking filthy in their roles that they're comfortable with. I just think sometimes the nerves and the mental game of a closer is a little bit different. So Alex Collin makes my guy until he proves otherwise multiple times. He needs to mess up a lot for me to get rid of him as the closer. So I'm going forward with my mans. Hey, guys, don't forget to start your morning with the news that matters in just 10 minutes. Axios Today hosts Nyla Boodoo and a team of award-winning journalists will bring you the latest analysis and insight into the trends shaping our world. Quickly here, uh, on our way out the door, Sox winners tonight 3-2 to two in Milwaukee, and they showed 
uh, in the late innings there, the uh, one of the prominent features of downtown Milwaukee is the statue of not even of Henry Winkler, but as his character, the Fonz in Happy Days. And uh, I really tried hard. I was like, we got to, you know, we're in the era of tearing down statues. Uh, we're, I'm trying to erase history. Milwaukee, I mean, we don't know much about it. We talked about that uh, earlier on in the, in the week. Don't know much about the city. So I, you know, I'll, I'm going to assume, though, that there's some better candidates uh, for a, a statue in downtown Milwaukee other than a fictional character from a sitcom from like 40 years ago. I, I'm just going to I'm going to go out on a limb and say there are people with better, you know, uh, artistic contributions or historical contributions to Milwaukee. They could put Alice Cooper out there for all I care. But, you you know, if they're going to do like movie characters or TV show characters, Alice Cooper from Wayne's World can be out there for all I care. I think that would be good. Have the whole plaque talking about, you know, the socialist mayors and all that good stuff. But I, I, I was digging real hard to find who from Milwaukee is is probably better uh, deserving of a statue out there? Do you know anyone off the top of your head? I, I don't mean to spring this on you, but it's kind of a, a, just a testament to uh, the the weakness of of Milwaukee star power. Can you name anyone famous from Milwaukee, Herb? Um, not off the top of my head. I'll of course look it up. But having Arthur Fonzarelli as the statue in Milwaukee <laughs> is like us having Balky Bartopoulos <laughs> or Steve Urkel as our goddamn guy. It's just dumb. Like, that's what you're going to go with. And the same thing with, with Philadelphia having Rocky as a statue. Just dumb. I mean, uh, we've all heard the Bill Burr. Uh, yeah, that's what, I, that's what I thought of, though. Like, I thought of that. I was like, I wasn't even a real person. <laughs> but then I was like, okay, so what's the, the counter argument? Because, you know, uh, you know, Philly famously had Joe Lewis, right? Joe Lewis was from Philly. Was that the, the crux yes, of Bill? the Brown Bomber. Yeah, yes. that was the crux of Bill Burr's argument. So I'm like, okay, well, you know, they got the statue of the Fonz, but who who would be the actual, like, obvious counterpoint? So I, I, so I looked it up. Don't bother looking it up, Herbie. It'll take you for an hour. It took me the entire eighth inning. Uh, so far... Liberace, I think, is like number yes. number one A <laughs> of famous people, and then our guy Bob Euchre, uh, who is still alive. We should we should give him his flowers while he can still smell them. He's born uh, and raised in Milwaukee, and of course, there's the great Cato Kalin, <laughs> who, who uh, you should just like have a statue of him. Uh, and, you know, maybe with OJ, but then have like a placard with some of his tweets ripping the Brewers. But did you know, Herbie? You you, you probably knew this because you because you're a big time uh, Illini fan. But did you know your guy, Bruce Weber, was born and raised in Milwaukee? Who cares? Who cares? But yeah, Bruce Weber, uh, a big big time Milwaukee guy. So I, th- that's not very good options. Liberace, Cato Kalin, Bob Euchre, Bruce Weber uh, to replace the Fonz. How about my guy Al Jarreau? I my yeah, Mister Summerman, that guy. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, I had a flow like Al Jarreau. It's a great uh, Grand Poobah <laughs> once said. Uh, yeah, I, I like that. Yeah, that that's not bad. But yes. I don't know though. Against the Fonz, it's the Fonz. You know, he used to he used to bang the jukebox. So I don't know. It's a pretty strong case. He used to go. Hey. So he was very, his contributions <laughs> to society are very very he was very. A Thirty old man <laughs> hanging out with teenagers at their damn soda shop. Just weird. Just very weird. And yeah. also, and also, this is this is the thing about Hollywood back in the day. You got a Jewish actor, Henry Winkler, playing an Italian. Um, uh, tough guy stereotype. Yeah, I would say this is so bad. I'm sure. Yeah, and then that thing. Um, 
Mr. Miyagi, uh, Pat Morita, who <laughs> is nothing like the character of Mr. Miyagi, born in Hawaii. If you ever hear clips of Pat Morita, you'd be like, is that Mr. Miyagi? That man speaks perfect English. Yes, because he's American. Um, but he was in Happy Days also. But Happy Days, do you know what sprung off of Happy Days? What do you mean, what sprung off of it? Well, what the... What the uh, the spinoff show was yeah Joni loves chachi right that one was a one and then there was another one <laughs> so i'm right he is famous for too so i'm right let's move on <laughs> no what was Jamil it Shimazel, man. oh right 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 I, I forgot that that was a spinoff that's a that's a real that's a real that that's using the word spinoff real loosely here what was the what was the common link between laverne and shirley in happy days like what was I think Fonzie knew Laverne or Shirley. <laughs> like he was like dated one of them, and then they're like, "Hey, let's make a new show." Oh, right, right, right. Stretch. That's that's a big, that's a, that's a real stretch. But yeah, thank you for putting that uh, piece of information in my brain. I'm I'm sure I, something is forced just, out of there. Something really important is forced out of my brain now. Now that I know that, it's like you know, my my my, my kid's birthday is now <laughs> long forgotten because now that I know Laverne and Shirley was a Happy Days spinoff. But it's just because we both went on to Milwaukee stations and I had to do my damnedest to not bring up Laverne and Shirley or the Alice Cooper thing. It's like when you go to San Diego, you don't want to say Wales or Gina. Milwaukee, <laughs> people are probably tired of hearing Laverne and Shirley and Arthur Fonzarelli and Milwaukee and the Good Land and Socialist Marys and things like that. I don't know. what this, What's the Chicago equivalent? Is it Windy City or Chi-Town? Yeah, it's got to be Windy City, yeah, because most people like here don't even know like what it means, you know, the the origins of Windy City. Um, people people hate Chi Town. Um, yeah, that that would that would be it. Like you know, just hey, deep dish pizza, Chi Town, right? Al Capone, Michael Jordan. Like I think you know, people get sick of it after a while. But the it, bean. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's called Cloudgate. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> mad guy who gets it's right <laughs> yeah <laughs> guy who gets mad about art in public places yeah so yeah i don't know what the yeah i guess those are those are fair equivalents but yeah I, you could argue maybe even the wrong winkler is honored i, I would throw a statue of bart winkler out there in the middle of uh, milwaukee town square yeah hey. <laughs> of course that was bart's famous catchphrase on the radio hey. <laughs> but uh yeah so Sox winners they get the mini sweep and uh, i think that's all i got tonight herbie what about you that's all I got. I mean, it's just good to have the White Sox rebound after having such a bad start versus Minnesota and Cleveland. And, yeah, people are out there saying, well, they're only playing the Kansas City Royals and Milwaukee Brewers, and Milwaukee didn't have its best players. Hey, man, you can only play people on the schedule, and all the rest of the people in the Central will play these same exact teams. So you got to get your wins where you can. If the White Sox would have lost any of these games, me, you, and everybody who's listening would have been pissed off. Like, how can you lose to the Royals? How can you lose to the Brewers when they're down? Now we got two more games with the Brewers back at home, and then we can resume playing the teams that you think are tough, like Cleveland and then Detroit after that, who surprisingly is decent enough right now early in this season. So, yeah, for Chris Tannehill, I'm Herb Lawrence. This is locked on Sox. The White Sox have six-game winning streak. Whoever thought we'd be saying that, this year, I know we thought we we're gonna be good, but six games in a row they've won. God damn it, we're great! <laughs> and we got my man Dallas Keiko on the bump tomorrow versus the Milwaukee Brewers back at home. So, for Chris Tannehill, I'm Herb Lawrence. Thank you for tuning in again to Locked on Socks. <laughs>